This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That very special episode of Football CFB today as I'm joined by the, the co-producer of the fantastic Take Us Home Leeds United, Stevie Rowe. I'm really excited to chat to Stevie because the, the behind-the-scenes documentary Take Us Home covered Leeds's 2018-19 campaign in which they ended in, in playoff defeat to Derby County after Spygate, which we'll come to as well, before this season um, having two 45-minute specials that captured the drama and the delight of Leeds' promotion back to the Premier League. First of all, Stevie, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. The, the first thing I want to ask you is, quite simply, what was it like when the opportunity arose to work with a club such as Leeds United, who, although they were in the Championship at the time when the documentary starts a massive, massive football club worldwide, not just in England. Yeah, I mean, the term's bannered about often as a sleeping giant, but I think it's, it's fair to say that Leeds truly is, was a sleeping giant, having spent so many years outside of the Premier League. Um, so the opportunity came about, I think it's widely known that the owner of Leeds, and uh, Andrea Radrizzani, um, owns several businesses and our production business Neo Studios is part of that same portfolio of companies so um, you know the, 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 the link to Leeds was always there for us but the opportunity for us to capture that previous season as you just said um, came about uh, from a meeting between Andrea and, and my boss Anouk Mertens who's the uh, managing director of, of Neo and they just felt that um, ahead of that season, it was the right time to start telling that story. I think Andrea felt that they were on the verge of doing something. He'd been in, in charge for a few years and, and felt having now Bielsa in charge of the squad um, and some really good players signed that he felt that it was time for Leeds to push for the Premier League, whether that be automatic promotion or, or through the playoffs. And so you know, conversation between those guys basically led to us just putting in cameras um, through a local production company just just to see what we might get and we soon realized that we were onto a pretty good thing and so you know we we, we quickly sort of upped the production levels um, uh, around shooting that season and and then starting to put in place more formalized processes to create a documentary and, and obviously started speaking to platforms like Amazon who we ended up securing a distribution deal with um, and so that's how, how it came about really it was it was um, it wasn't necessarily pre-planned it was just a conversation and then it led to us looking into it and then before you know it we're, we're shooting a six-part documentary. You mentioned how, how it arrives that you're going to be shooting this six-part documentary. You, you've alluded to the fact that Leeds really are a sleeping giant in footballing terms. How how incredibly exciting was it when 
Marcello Bielsa was announced as Leeds manager because he's another one who is a manager who's renowned worldwide. You see the likes of Pep Guardiola, Maurizio Pochettino and so many others really talking about him as their inspiration. So what was it like to, to get the chance to work with him and watch his methods play out live? Well, that's an interesting question. And there are several parts to that, really. So the, the conversation around the documentary happened just as um, they were discussing with Bielsa about joining Leeds. And, and I think you see that in um, in the first episode, the opening episode is they, they get their man. So, you know, that's very much the start of our story in terms of the documentary. So to work, to, to answer the question on what it's like to work alongside him, I, I can't answer that because he didn't really let us work alongside him. He, all of the myths around Bielsa, um, well, they're not myths, they're true. He is, he is a unique, unique man. He, he, um, he has a special way of working. He has a special aura about him. He is not one for speaking on camera. And I think that's uh, widely known as well. He doesn't do sit down interviews. But he did do a sit-down interview with us, and I believe it was his first sit-down interview outside of his kind of press conferences and things that he's ob obliged to do. But it was the first time he'd actually chosen to sit down and do an interview in over 20 years. Um, and so that tells you everything you need to know about the man, really. He will not do anything he doesn't have to do. He lives and breathes football, which is why even before he joined Leeds, um, many football fans were aware of his reputation within the game but we'd never seen him operate on these shores before. Um, but we've heard the likes of Pep Guardiola and others speaking um, in such high regard about him. And then to have him come and join Leeds, I think was a massive, massive um, uh, coup for, for Andrea. And, you know, many people, and you'll see it in the documentary, Andrea has the idea that they want to go and chase Bielsa as a manager. And even the people within the club are like, you'll never get him, you'll never get him. And, he got him. And, and I think that's testament to Andrea's vision is why not? We're Leeds United. We are a massive club and we should be in the Premier League and someone like Bielsa should be honoured to be in charge of Leeds. And then, you know, he did join Leeds and 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 obviously the rest is history. But, you know, working alongside him, um, it was unique. I've never experienced anything like it, really. You know, I've, I've worked with many football managers and some are quite offish on and off camera. Bielsa just doesn't do anything he doesn't want to do. It's 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 amazing to watch. And in terms of the, the way he was with yourselves as the production team, I mean, you, you mentioned the fact that he does it his way and that's the way it is, end of. Yeah. He, he's, he was very like that with the players. He's, he's a manager who believes that players should be humble and be aware of the roots of the club that they're playing for. What was that like in the opening few weeks when he arrived at the club? Because he had the players litter picking, I believe. Yeah, so the, the, the players, and I don't want to speak on behalf of the players, but I, I got the impression they were very um, impressed that, 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 that their manager was going to be Marcelo Bielsa. But I don't think they, and I think we captured this in the documentary as well, I don't think they appreciated two things, how good he was going to be and how thorough he was going to be, but also how demanding he was going to be. And, you know, he at times had players almost in tears with regard to his training schedules and his demands on, on weight and, and things like that. And so there were periods, especially when they weren't doing so well in, in that first season, 
there were periods where some of the players, you know, probably quite rightly questioned some of the methods. But ultimately, and you see this at the end of season one and you see this across season two, they all bought into it. They all bought into, you know, they understand that he's a unique character, but they bought into his way of working. And, you know, after two years of working with him, most of them can call themselves Premier League players now. And I think that's, um, that's a testament to his ways of working. When you think about a football club, as a fan from the outside looking in, we think about the players' training, we think about the preparation of a manager in light of the next game and then analysing and reviewing games. How does that lead to producing a football documentary? What What is the access like? Do you shoot it in a certain way? Just talk me through the thinking behind that. Yeah, it's 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 unique with every club, I would imagine. Um, but with Leeds, it was very much about breaking down the barriers. You know, Bielsa was always going to be a hard nut to crack. And we did get that interview with him um, eventually. But that took a lot of persuading from the club. And also, we made it quite clear with the club that we would only have a very select group of film crew that would attend the club. So there, there wouldn't be a high turnover of different people day in day out it would be the core group of five or six people and that would be it and so the players wouldn't then be concerned about you know strangers coming in and seeing how they train or, or what they talk about or, or certain habits that they have and we very very quickly built trust or the core, or the core gr- crew built trust with the players and to a degree Bielsa as well once he realized that it was only ever going to be the same people that he sees and no one else they opened up quite quickly, actually. You know, Bielsa, like I say, was was still quite offish. But in terms of the players, it didn't take long for them to to open up to the crew. And so we found ourselves in a position whereby we were given official sort of accreditation accreditation to certain areas on certain days, and that got the cameras so far. Um, and also, with, you know, with having direct communication with the owner, that that helps. But really, it was up to the players in terms of what additional access they gave us. And they quite quickly warmed to the idea of taking us into their homes, taking us into sort of um, physio sessions, taking us into the training room, you know, areas that the accreditation wouldn't take us unless we were invited. And, and that happened quite quickly. And, and you see that in the documentary very well. Luke Ayling in particular is a player who I, I think comes across very well in, in the show. And, and you're right, that, that insight you get into a footballer's home, their personal life, opens up the full character of them to the viewer, which I yeah. always think is important because there's, there's an element of football fan, you and I might be similar with this, where you see the players play on a Saturday or a Sunday and you sort of paint them up as being gladiators almost, but but they are normal human beings. And that human yeah. element is something that, again, was captured very well over the, the both series. Is that something that when you're directing a show, you, you like to make sure you, you get? Because, again, as I say, there is this perception that footballers are gladiators or superheroes, and sometimes we do forget they are human beings. No, they are. They are. Of course they are. Um, and we do put them on a pedestal. And, and you look, they, they've got a role to play socially. So we, we do put them on a pedestal quite rightly at times and they do earn a lot of money. And so, you know, they live life in the limelight. But at the same time, they are human beings and they have emotions and they have good days and they have bad days. And uh, and their bad days are, are, 
often are in front of um, TV cameras and 50,000 people. So, you know, I might have a bad day in my office, but it's kind of just, I'm the judge of that. Whereas, you know, if somebody lets in an own goal, they've got TV cameras rolling and 50,000 people screaming blue hell at them. So, you know, a bad day for footballers is no no better or worse than anyone else. But yes, I think we we did well in sort of highlighting the fact that they are human beings. They do have emotions and they really do care as well. And they do not only do they care about um, success on the field and 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 in this case getting promoted, but they do a lot within the community. And we made a point of show showing that the players are more than just players. They they, they often do this. They've got this other side to them that they do help with work in the local community, especially in Leeds with it being a one. Um, club town you know the, the club is so important to the city and the vast majority of the players are very very aware of that um, also we made a point in terms of you know the producing and directing uh, for that we made a point of using local crews we had a local production team um, working on this they were all from Leeds predominantly Leeds fans as well so that helped in 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 two regards really they're Leeds fans, so they know the story inside out and they know what the story needs to be and they and they they know what they need to capture. But also being fans, they know how important it is for the local community for this team to do well and the impact it has on the local community if the team doesn't do well. And they wanted to show how the players do care about that and they do care about um, what the fans feel every Saturday afternoon. Absolutely, and and another big moment um, or a big cue, I suppose, in in the documentary was securing Russell Crowe as as the narrator. What was the process behind that? Uh, that was amazing. Um, <clears throat> so we were very very careful about choosing the narrator, and the reason being is Leeds is one of these unique clubs. There aren't many like Leeds. You'd say that maybe Newcastle uh, is one of them. Where again, it comes down to being a one. Uh, club town and the fans are so fanatical so you know you look at the all or nothings and you have Ben Kingsley do the Man City one which was great but we knew that if we chose a narrator no matter how famous they are if they support a club that's not Leeds United the, Le the Leeds United fans are going to hate us for it so we you know that narrows down your search quite considerably when you're looking for a a famous and, and a good narrator and also a Leeds United fan so and Russell Crowe kept appearing on this list as we were working through it. And we we're like, I mean, this is a superstar A-list Hollywood you know, actor. You know, it's it's it doesn't get much bigger than this Oscar winner. Um, and so we managed to get a contact to his agent. And, you know, we we made the point that this was a very much a passion project for us. And we need it to be authentic to the Leeds fan base. And, and immediately he was on board. He was, he was so, so cool. I mean, unfortunately, we didn't get to meet him. He worked remotely, especially, you know, with the second series. That was sort of mid-COVID, so he had to work remotely. But the first season as well, uh, he was working in New Orleans and did the voice from, from, from New Orleans for the series. Um, so we didn't get to meet him in person. But as soon as he heard about the project, he was, he was on board. That's tremendous because it's it's just that his voice, you're right, is so recognisable and the fact that he has passion for the club as well make, makes it even better. To, to talk through some of the big moments that appear in, in both series, um, Spygate for one, I mean, as as a director, when, when you and your team are filming in and around the club and a story that, that comes out, 
be honest, what was your initial reaction? Because imagine you're thinking, brilliant, this could be great on, on the documentary, but at the same time, there could be a worry of, is everything going to cave in in itself now? Yeah, the, 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 yes, it's exactly that. And even more so because we, we're so connected to the club, you know, having the owner as our boss, we're like, you don't want anything like that to happen and reflect on the club or him. But at the same time, you're like, this is amazing story you know it's what an amazing story um, to be able to capture on camera if you'd have and, it, and this applied to season two as well if you'd have gone away and tried to script a football documentary and your two storylines um your you know, two of your main storylines were spygate scenario and a, a global pandemic then you'd probably get laughed out of the commissioner's office you know it's just it wouldn't be believable at all and we found ourselves in in both those situations across season one and season two where you're like you can't make this up it, it, it you cannot make this up it's it's just an unbelievable story and so yeah you, the, the emotions were kind of wow is this really happening but guess keep the cameras rolling because this is absolute gold dust it was it was an incredible time, and to be fair to to Marcello Bielsa, he dealt with it in, in a way that I, I think only he could. And it was just it was an incredible story, and, and the way it was handled, I felt, but from him was even more incredible. Um, another key moment in that first season, the Dan James transfer that that fell through. Yeah. I yeah. thought that was was perfectly filmed because you know what this is like, having worked within um, production. The, the club, if they wish, could easily have sort of made that a small snippet and hid it from view because the player didn't join. But to their credit and to your credit, it was covered and it gave a real insight for football fans, journalists, the lot of what really is involved in a transfer and the emotions, of course, of a transfer falling through. Yeah, we needed various permissions to keep that sequence in. And I, I think it was absolutely the right thing to do. I think it really was. I've never seen that on a, on a sports documentary before where a, a, a sign-in has fallen through basically at the 11th hour or later. You know, he, he was there, he signed. He was, he was ready to, to to be a Leeds player and then to find out at, um, at, at the stroke of midnight uh, or whatever it was when the transfer window closed that it wasn't going to happen. I mean, that was real. That's real life. That's somebody who has already mentally come to terms with the fact that they're moving away from a city to another city. They're going to be playing for another club. You know, they've done the photo shoot. They've done everything else they need to do. It's done. It was a. It was literally a done deal, and then it fell through. And we captured that on camera. And you know, that happens a lot in football, a, a hell of a lot. And as somebody, you know, again, going to the bit, they earn a lot of money and they live their life sort of in the public eye. But you know, you're really playing with someone's life there. And and we caught that on camera and we caught all of the emotion on both sides. Dan James was uh, upset and obviously the, the people at Leeds were upset. Um, and I thought we all felt that it, it, it had to stay in because you've just, fans have never seen that side of football before. And we were lucky enough to capture that. Absolutely. And, and, and as I say, I think it was something that, for, for football fans, journalists that are like, I, I agree with you. It's something that you, you don't expect to see and, and to, to see the emotions of it from both sides was was fantastic. Another key moment in that first season, again, it, it was handled in a way that you have to say probably only Bielsa could was the game where he gives the goal back to, to Aston Villa. <laughs> Just sum up what that was like. 
Well, it's still a controversial uh, topic, even at Leeds now. Um, again, it's, you know, you can't script that. You can't, and there are very, there are very, very few people that would do that. And he is obviously definitely one of them. And I think there are, you know, people like Pep Guardiola who, who he might do something like that. Maybe I'm not sure. Um, and maybe one or two other managers, but he's definitely one. But again, you know, that happens probably once every 10 years, maybe more, something like that. And it just so happened to happen this season when we had cameras rolling. And it was just one of those moments where you felt like, and I think this comes across on the documentary, it just feels like it's starting to fall apart a bit. But still, he thought it was the right thing to do, despite you know, everything falling apart in terms of the season and 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 sort of automatic promotion um, no longer in, the, in their hands. But still, he, he, he felt that it was the right thing to do and he was the better man for allowing that goal to be scored. Um, and he walked away, you know, being able to live with himself. I don't think Bielsa's, Bielsa's not the kind of guy that could live with himself if he hadn't done that. Um, and for us, again, to be privileged enough to be in a position where we captured that on camera was just, you couldn't script it. You certainly couldn't. And the end to that season as well, the heartbreak of missing out on automatic promotion. Frank Lampard, as some people say, getting his revenge as well, um, yeah. was, was another a, a crazy moment that, again, seems like something that can only really happen to, to Leeds. Now, yeah. going into the, the second season, it starts well. Bielsa and Leeds are performing well in the league. And then the global pandemic that, that you mentioned, you cannot script, happens. What was the initial emotions and thoughts and feelings from yourself and the club behind the, the pandemic? Was there a fear that the season could be curtailed? And also, as a second part to that question, what were the challenges of trying to make a documentary throughout COVID? Oh, so, much, so many points to answer there. Um, so from a, from a sort of a, a personal production perspective, we... we there was a period of probably two months where we thought the documentary will never get made. It will never get finished. Um, during that period, we were in constant communication with uh, various people at the club. And, you know, th they were in a real predicament. They, they really did not know that they were playing, paying everybody's salaries and they, they did not know when they might earn any money again to be able to cover their costs but also they were top of the league at the time and they didn't know if the league would just be null and void and they would have to go again or whether they'd be handed um the championship trophy and be promoted automatically or if they might have to play in a playoff scenario or if they might have to play behind closed doors as it as it turned out they did um but they you know they, they went through months of not knowing any of this and so they, the, the permutations that they were going through and not only Leeds obviously every football club in the country were doing the same thing but you know there would be clubs at mid-table that would probably would have taken the season being null and void because of the situation they were in but Leeds were on the on the verge of of getting into the Premier League and there was a real possibility that that might be taken away from them by a global pandemic again you couldn't write that stuff so during that period we did stop shooting for a little while we, we captured the moments where the pandemic started and, and football was stopped. Um, and we caught that and we had a good interview with Angus, the CEO, and he was really emotional in that interview, which is in, in the documentary. Um, and we took a breath at that moment and it very quickly we realized that we've got to keep rolling. 
we've got to keep shooting this because it's, it was changing every day. Although at the time it, it didn't feel like it was, but it, it, when you look back at it with hindsight, it was. Um, but the roller coaster of emotions for everybody involved, whether it be Andrea or Angus, you know, Angus was working so hard to, first of all, keep everybody in a job, but also try and do the right thing by the club and, and ensure that, you know, whatever happens, they're in a position to, to get promoted, whether it be uh, by points tallying up by the FA or whatever it might be. Um, and then the players as well, they were at home, but still training uh, remotely. Uh, they didn't know if they would be in tomorrow, next week, the week after. When they were called in, they didn't know, you know, they were, they were, they didn't know what impact it might have on their families. You know, they were being called back. And remember, the whole country was still um, under lockdown, but footballers were called back in to, to work together. So, that, you know, they're concerned for their families. Are they going to be in a situation where they might increase the chances of taking COVID home to their families? It was so many emotions that were going on at that time. Um, again, you know, I keep saying it, and we were really, really lucky to be in a position to capture this on camera, but genuinely, it was, it was such an emotional time and a really, really a time where nobody knew what the outcome was going to be. I mean, us not knowing whether or not we, we would have a documentary is, you know, it's, it's relatively small for us compared to all the other stuff that was going on. Um, but it, it, it was, and we, we obviously had to work in a way which was in line with government sort of, um, uh, protocols and and you know kept COVID safe so lots of stuff done, done via Zoom calls and things like that um, but we, we but we wanted to we 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 had discussions sort of later into the lockdown we 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 thought no we we can't rely on Zoom calls we need to go back to the production levels that we had before COVID and 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 you know we tried to figure out quite quickly how we would do that and be socially distanced and keep everybody safe and make sure everybody was comfortable. And I think I think we did that in the right way. And when I look back on those episodes, I'm quite proud, well, I'm very proud of the production team and leader director in the way that you, you capture that, that period in time, almost as it was lived, you know, with, with full production values up to COVID, then it drops down to meant everybody having Zoom calls and then there was a slight increase in the production levels. And that was part by accident, but also part by design. It's, that's the way people were living and, and and throughout that period we had slight improvements on lifestyle we were let out again and you know things started opening up again and football started again and I think we represented that well within the documentary. Just how special was it to be capturing the moment that leads secure promotion back to the Premier League after all those years we talked about them being a sleeping giant well the, the giant definitely was able to rise up that day just just sum up that. It was incredible. I, I I wasn't able to be there. I'm based in London, so you know, uh, COVID restrictions wouldn't allow me to be there. But the, the crew were there, you know, the core crew, they were getting tested regularly and, and things like that at that stage. So they were allowed in. Um, but when when that when they got confirmed as being promoted into the Premier League, we obviously had cameras there anticipating that that might happen. But what what happened there that night was just unbelievable. It was unbelievable, and, and this, I think it, this is where the benefit of having a local crew and a great crew, but a local crew, because they kind because they were fans, they they kind of knew what would happen, and the congregation of fans outside Ellen Road, uh, 
after the promotion and they didn't actually the fans didn't know that the players were in the ground watching watching the, i can't remember what the other game was now um but when they got confirmed as being promoted they didn't know the players were there so the fans congregated outside anyway our crews being leeds fans they kind of knew that, that that would happen and we found ourselves in this in, in this in a position whereby the fans didn't know the players were there so we sent the, the crew was sent out to film with the fans and then the players came out and the fans didn't know they were going to come out and it was if you look back on that last five or ten minutes of that second episode total emotion coming from both sides of because there was a there's a gate that separated the fans from the players if you remember the, play, the players came out onto the steps um but a total emotion on both sides of that fence from the, play, the, the, the players and the fans. Again, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it, and certainly not on a football documentary anyway, a camera being there in that moment um, and, and capturing that connection, not physical, but emotional connection between the players and the fans. It was, uh, I'm a QPR fan, I probably shouldn't say that, but I'm not a Leeds fan, but it brought a tear to my eye when I watched it. It really did. And in terms of the documentary, I mean, we've covered so much ground about uh, how uh, how the, the big moments were shaped, what what you were able to do in the club. Take us only United, as as we've both discussed, is available on Amazon Prime. If you've not watched it yet, you simply have to watch it. But before you go, Stevie, the last question I've got for you: You mentioned you're a QPR fan. Leeds United throughout the years have had a perception of being dirty Leeds. Did. Yeah. The documentary change your perception at all? Uh, I think personally, I didn't ever look at Dirty Leeds as Dirty Leeds. I don't think anyway. Perhaps I did in in, in my younger days, but I genuinely, I think we did help change that perception of Leeds. I think I think the 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 emotional roller coaster of the fans and we had some we've not touched on the fans the fans that we had involved in this documentary were amazing such a such a diverse bunch of people but real hardcore Leeds fans um but really really nice genuine people and by showing kind of how they lived those two seasons and their roller coaster ride of emotions and how people within the club lived it as well and their roller coaster of emotions and the players and the staff and I think watching that as a non-Leeds fan I was willing them on and I know I worked on it and and you know obviously I've got that connection with them but you know from having conversations with people I know within the industry and outside of the industry every, people were willing them on and you're right you know they've always had this tag dirty leads everybody hates us that kind of thing I think I would agree I think that's gone away now I think so as well and they're a club that definitely appear to have a lot of appeal in the wider football community. I think maybe due to the style of play, Bielsa, the fact that they were a sleeping giant and that they've now came back. The the, the big question, I suppose, and I'm, I, I'm not sure you'll be able to give away the answer if, if, if possible, are you planning a third series? We're, there are no plans in place currently, but, you know, the, the story of a club returning to the Premier League has never been told before so you know never say never is what we're saying we are we are we are keeping our options open but I went perfect answer Stevie it's been an absolute pleasure thanks for joining me thank you very much for having me it's been a pleasure so we'll dive down to the ocean and we'll make our home in a deep sea cave.
haven Our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song They'll be filled with song We'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make her home in a 